Hi, this is Graham Sate and welcome back to episode two of the Nutrition Farming Podcast. Now this episode was scheduled to be based upon the seven key strategies for building both profitability and sustainability in your farming enterprises, but I decided to hijack this particular episode and we'll return to the normal format in the next issue. Now, the reason for that, I published an article, in fact, a series of three articles over the Easter period. Uh, the articles were about this kind of strategies we can use to reduce the impact of the COVID-19 virus. And there was just an absurd response. It was, it really, I tapped into some kind of hidden hunger. And I, I figured that perhaps, you know, a summarized version of those three articles might be appropriate with some tag-ons, uh, might be appropriate for this particular podcast and so we've slipped it in instead of what was pre-planned. Now you might say well what's that got to do with farming and of course if you've heard me define the concept of nutrition farming it's about the relationship between soil health, plant health and planetary health and of course human health and this is very much part of the human health equation of this whole story. What sponsored me or what inspired me to write those uh, quite comprehensive articles was, you know, I was dumbstruck by the lack of constructive advice at governmental level relative to, you know, protecting ourselves against this uh, horrible virus. I mean, we're told to wash our hands, almost wash the skin off our hands, to practice extreme hygiene, to socially distance all in an attempt to flatten the curve has become a huge new saying. But we're also, in the same breath, we're told that the most susceptible are the immune compromised and the baby boomers, and often that goes hand in hand. And surely in that contest, the boosting of immunity must surely be critically important, but it's barely been mentioned, certainly from the modern medical community and the advisors at governmental level. The reason for that is, the reason it hasn't been included, there may be all sorts of conspiracy theories, but I'm not buying into them. The simple reason is because our medical professionals simply do not learn about nutrition. There's about one hour, my doctor friends tell me, about one hour and a seven-year degree on nutrition. Now, you, you might have seen the World Health Organization study called Nutrition a Disease, where in quite a comprehensive study, 147-page report, they couldn't find a degenerative disease that didn't have a nutrition link. So you come out of your training with wonderful surgical skills and great symptom management capacity, but not, not necessarily that well qualified to get back to root causes. It's not an accident, for example, uh, when you suffer cancer. It's not um, a deficiency of a fungicide in agriculture when you've got a fungal disease. We need to get back to root causes. If we look at that story, diet and lifestyle account for 71% of all deaths, and surely they play a role in this equation. We're talking about the desperate need for a proactive approach rather than the reactive approach. This disease is not a deficiency of a vaccine, that's all we talk about. It's very much about your metabolic health, and we're going to talk about those issues and the nutrients relative to maintaining and maximising your metabolic health. Basically, we're going to talk in this proactive story, we're going to talk about four key minerals, three key vitamins, a couple of phytonutrients, and we're going to talk about the use of probiotics to boost your beneficial gut organisms, understanding that 80% of your immune system is down in the gut, learning from that all-important life within. But the first mineral, we'll talk about zinc. Now, basically, it's suggested that 79% of us are zinc deficient. 
What does zinc have to do with, with the immune system? Well, it's a big player. It, it's required by the thymus gland to produce killer T cells, which are a hugely integral part of our of a fully functioning immune system. Just a 10% shortage of zinc has been shown to compromise immunity. Of course, zinc is hugely important also for our prostate, the most important single mineral for prostate health. We're, we're talking about the largest killer now of men in the Western world is prostate cancer. A healthy prostate, on average, contains seven times more zinc than an enlarged prostate or a cancerous gland. So hugely important for that one thing alone, but from an immune perspective, massive, massive story, amongst the most important of all uh, nutrients relative to immunity. What, why are we so short of it? Why are uh, almost eight out of 10 of us short of zinc? Basically, our body has a very low storage capacity for zinc. That's number one. We'll talk about how we can address that a little later. If we look at you know the, the food that we consume most, which is you know cereals and, and, and foods grown in broadacre soils, um, most of broadacre soils, it's really common to see zinc deficiencies. In fact, it's it's one of the primary trace mineral deficiencies in the thousands of soil tests that we look at in that particular arena. And then we have the other side of the equation. We have the intensive production of vegetables and fruit. And very commonly, what we see in those scenarios, in those soils, is an excess of phosphorus. And phosphorus, when you've got too much of it, ties up zinc. And so both sides of the equation, we're having an impact on the zinc that is found in our diets. Now, if we look at zinc, you know, relative to studies on immunity, we find there's a lot of studies relative to zinc and pneumonia. And of course, it's pneumonia that kills us with this disease. And there is also some recent corona-specific studies. What's been found, basically, is that zinc inhibits an enzyme that's involved in how the virus works. The virus basically hops into our cells, uh, hijacks our cellular apparatus and uses that to replicate itself instead of our normal replication of our own cells. Uh, and there's an enzyme involved in that. And basically, zinc has been shown to inhibit that enzyme. So it's, so it's a massive story. It should, be, it should almost be front page news uh, if you check that study. And in my article, I, I give you links to go back and have a look at the studies relative to that phenomenon. So other studies show us that zinc deficiencies are really commonly found in those that are with compromised immune systems. So a pretty obvious uh, response here, actions require start supplementing zinc. But there's a secret to when you supplement zinc. Now, the secret to zinc supplementation, quite simply, you do it last thing before bed. The reason for that, zinc ties up with the cereal grains you're consuming all day, forms an insoluble zinc phytate, which you excrete. So we move away from that time. We build up our storehouse overnight. And that small storehouse is you know, fully charged if we supplement at night. And the kind of rates, you can use the maximum as 100 milligrams of zinc, but you would only do that for a short time. Uh, 30 milligrams is the kind of daily dose. In fact, you should have your bottle of amino chelated zinc sitting on your bedside cabinet. You take a, a zinc tablet every night and do that till the end of your life, which will probably be quite a lot further away should you decide to take this advice. So that's zinc. Let's talk now about magnesium. Because magnesium, I refer to as the master mineral. It's another one of these minerals that uh, 75 to 80% of us are lacking, this mineral. And we say, you know, we say, why is it so important? Well, enzymes are huge. Every breath you take, 
uh, everything that happens in your body, basically, every system, whether it's your lymphatic system, your circulatory system, everything is powered by, by enzymes. They are a life force which we can't copy. Um, they're a measurable life force. Uh, they contain a measurable life energy that so far we can't synthesize. They're hugely important enzymes, and 350 enzymes are magnesium dependent. Now, there's no other mineral, no other mineral that comes close to that. Copper's second. Magnesium, 350 enzymes. So that impacts a whole bunch of things, including an enzyme-driven immune system. So, so why are we so, so deficient? Well, let's look at some of the things. There's quite a few players, but we haven't got time to talk about them all. Stress, sweat, poor absorption, um, you know, mis- an imbalance of minerals. The calcium to magnesium ratio is as important in the human body as it is in the soil. And if we've got a calcium-rich diet, like New Zealand, for example, which has also the highest rate of coronary heart disease, that impacts the CalMag ratio. Calcium enters cells when magnesium is supposed to be found at 10,000 times more within the cells. And when calcium enters cells because of a worsening ratio when magnesium depletes, uh, calcium can move in. That's called calcification. It's also called hardening of the arteries. So it's not a nice story. So let's look at the things relative to magnesium. Stress. So we were equipped with something called the flight or fight response. So we walked out of our cave. There was a saber-toothed tiger. 32 things changed, including a massive pump of adrenaline into our veins. We fought the hardest we could fight. We ran the fastest we could run, either or, neither of which was very successful against a saber-tooth, but at least we had a shot. Uh, But we didn't lose the flight or fight response. I ask at seminars globally, how many of you can tell me in all honesty you don't feel anxiety on a regular basis? No one turns around. They don't need to. There's so few hands. One in 50. Uh, and you always wonder what those the secret is for this these people in this uh, sea of anxiety in which we live, uh, and so so that produces varying stages of a constant flight or fight response, all of which draw upon magnesium. And so what we have is a vicious cycle. Uh, magnesium, you know, as it, you, you suck magnesium with your stress. And that makes you more stressed because magnesium is the cruising mineral. Uh, and so you suck more magnesium, which makes you more stressed. And the end result's often something like a stroke or a heart attack. So when we consider magnesium in relation to immunity, we see several things. One of them being that deficiency increases the production of pro-inflammatory cytokines. Now, you might have heard the term cytokine storms. They're linked to many COVID deaths. I'll explain a little later what they mean but if you're magnesium deficiency, you're going to have higher likelihood of that. There's also something called thymus involution. And magnesium deficiency seems to accelerate thymus involution. So basically, you've got something called apoptosis, where cells die off at a pre-programmed rate. But apoptosis increases in several studies in magnesium deficient thymus cells. So a normal feature of aging is um, when the thymus cells die, the gland shrinks and our immunity decreases accordingly. Well, you don't want to accelerate that. You don't want to accelerate thymus involution. And that's what magnesium deficiency does. So how do you address your highly likely deficiency of magnesium? One of the problems is that if you've had what's called chronic magnesium deficiency, you've been deficient for quite some time, then one symptom of long-term shortage of magnesium is that you reduce your capacity to absorb magnesium through the gut lining. So oral supplementation becomes pretty ineffective. So what other choices have you got? Well, you can have intravenous or you can have you know, direct feed into your, 
into your blood vessel. You can have intramuscular injections, usually in the bottom. You do need to find uh, an informed doctor to provide those services, but there are an increasing number of those available. But there's also something that you can sort of a do-it-yourself thing. It involves something called transdermal uptake. Transdermal magnesium supplementation is really something to consider here. Uh, understanding how much and how easily you absorb things through your, through your skin, and you need to be aware of that. You get farm chemi- chemicals on your skin, and a very short time it's in your body. You're putting on your makeup, you're moisturizing. You better be prepared to eat that moisturizer because it's entering your blood system more effectively than via the gut. So, uh, with magnesium, there's something called magnesium oil, which is just a very concentrated form of magnesium chloride from a, a, an ancient natural source, very popular, that you can spray on the soles of your feet or under your arms, both of which are highly absorbent. The soles of your feet, 2,000 pores under each foot, so you can suck it up via your feet uh, with that concept. Now, you can also, it's an old school thing that's with, that is a very, very good concept, and that just involves an Epsom salts or magnesium sulfate bath. That involves two cups of magnesium sulfate in a bath of hot water, and you relax. And I'm, when I talk about relax, you, you really relax for 30 to 40 minutes in that bath, at least once a week initially to top your levels up. So that's you, know, you can buy magnesium sulfate from the rural stores and it costs you about 50 cents a bath if you do it that way. There used to be issues with heavy metals. That seems to be there's a lot more quality control now, so that's not a problem with those the agricultural grades. So that's an option. But do it at night. You'll never want to do it in the morning. You'll never work that day uh, if you have a, a, you know, so relaxed and so cruising. You'll understand why magnesium is called the relaxation mineral. So let's move on now and talk about selenium as the third of the four minerals involved. And the story with selenium, quite simply, is it's the most important mineral for your most important organ. And that organ is not your heart. Your most important organ is actually your liver. And selenium is massively important as a liver supporter. So, you know, we are what we eat. And what we eat comes from soils, obviously. And Australia and New Zealand are amongst the lowest levels of selenium on the planet. We test selenium. Uh, We've yet to find a soil in either country with sufficient selenium. So it's a huge issue. If you don't get it from your food, you need to supplement. And almost everyone really needs to take their 200 micrograms of selenium on a daily basis. Now, when we look at selenium relative to liver function, there's a couple of things happening. There's a group of amino acids called glutathione that partner with selenium to form something called glutathione peroxidase. And that's probably our most protective enzyme system, hugely important, protective against a whole range of things, including things like lymphatic cancers. But basically, you've got to have both of them at good levels. And the problem with selenium, aside from it not being in our food, is that it's used as an antioxidant to counter what is effectively a pretty toxic environment. I mean, we've got 74,000 registered chemicals out there, and so we're overworking our two-stage detoxification system driven by the liver and in turn requiring significant amounts of selenium. So it's an unnatural scenario that we've created which requires an unnatural amount of selenium. It's not in our soils, it's not in our food. We all need to be taking this mineral. When we look at selenium relative to our immune system, or basically we look at the liver relative to our immune system, we see that it's actually key frontline immune tissue. It's ideally positioned where it is in our body to identify and help counter pathogens as they enter the body. 
particularly via the gut, and there does seem to be quite a powerful gut connection. In fact, there's very high levels of this virus in the poo of those that are infected. So basically what's been seen with studies in selenium is that those with good levels of selenium have heightened immune response. In one particular analysis, the authors summarized a body of research looking at immunity in the elderly and also at viral protection associated with this mineral and found a direct link to the amount of selenium and your resilience relative to those issues. Basically, there are studies linked to lung function. There's a suggestion that there's a benefit relative to shortness of breath, and that's a key COVID symptom. It's another no-brainer that we don't have it in our food. Um, We're using more of it than perhaps we should be because of our toxic environment. We need to supplement with selenium. So the question is, what's the best form? Um, You can get sources that are a combination of of an amino-collated mineral form of selenium or that are grown on yeast, so they're a biological form. Either is fine, but a combination of both, if you can source that, will be the best. And what we're looking at is 200 micrograms of selenium on a daily basis. That's an adult dose. Now, look, if you'd rather get it from your food, the high selenium food is the humble Brazil nut. 25 micrograms of selenium in every single nut. And just like food was intended to be, when we say, let your food be your medicine, uh, we find Brazil nuts contain the cofactors that help with selenium uptake, the most important of which is vitamin E. So there's very high levels of vitamin E in Brazil nuts. They are also really high in both magnesium and zinc, those other two common shortages. So Brazil nuts do qualify as you know a genuine kind of superfood. Now, the problem with taking Brazil nuts is that if you don't chew properly, and most of us, myself included, don't, and if you check uh, in your toilet, if you feel inclined, uh, you'll, you'll find pieces of undigested Brazil nut, which means you didn't get the vitamin E or, or the magnesium or the zinc or most importantly, the selenium uh, from that Brazil nut, or you've got very little of it because it wasn't digested. So the trick is to take some Brazil nuts and put them in your green smoothie and micronize them with that high-powered blender. Uh, they're all of, The nutrients are all available. It just gives a nice nutty flavor to your green smoothie. So let's talk about the fourth of that quartet. Let's talk about iodine, the fourth mineral that is so important in this context. So Basically, a couple of blokes called Wolf and Shakeoff, quite some decades back, um, were, were quite sure that iodine was a problem. It was used as a dose-offening agent, and because we overconsume bread, wildly overconsume bread, they felt that a large number of people would be getting too much iodine, uh, and that it had the potential to create something called hyperthyroidism, which means you're you get bulging eyes and you breathe more rapidly and you get kind of hyperactive and it's very unpleasant. Uh, And so they radioactively tagged some iodine, did the research and published suggesting that that was possible when the world became iodophobic. And we banned iodine left, right and centre, including in the dose-offening agent, but we replaced it with bromide. And here's the story. I often refer to iodine as uh, basically the runt of the litter because iodine's part of a group of four other minerals called halogens, and the other minerals are chloride, fluoride, and bromide. And basically, it's the run because the other three impact the, impact iodine so powerfully, negatively, they inhibit the uptake of iodine. And the worst of those is bromide. And the problem with the dose-offening agent, we put bromide in instead. So we're constantly eating bread that is you know impacting our iodine availability. Now, 
there are a variety of other things that work relative to iodine. I mean, bromide is is everywhere. It's a it's a it's a fire retardant chemical that's in curtains, it's in carpets, it's in lounge suite these days. They even put it into pajamas and airline seats and so forth. There's a tremendous amount of bromide uh, out there. It's in things like hair dyes and so forth. Uh, and consequently, uh, we've got you know a lot of inhibition of iodine. We test in the course for iodine, and so many people are deficient. Not to the point that you've got a great lump. Uh, called a goiter, but sufficient deficiency to impact your immune system. So most of us need to be looking at addressing that. And if we're going to look at a food source, the highest source of iodine by far uh, is kelp. It's really, really amazing. It's, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever tasted a kelp salad. You've been to a Japanese restaurant, you might have tried the one common one, but there are lots of them. And you can buy dried kelp, add water, add some dressing. My goodness, that I defy anyone not to enjoy that flavor and that texture in many instances. It's just delicious. It's light, it's fluffy, it's the most beautiful thing. A, a single sheet of dried kelp can contain a thousand micrograms of iodine. So there's nothing comes close to kelp from that perspective. The other solution with iodine is it as an age-old solution developed by a bloke called Professor Lugol quite some decades back, and it's called Lugol's Solution. You can buy it at places like iHerbs or Piping Rock um, and a few other sites. It's inexpensive, and what you take is five drops in a glass full of juice. I, I use pomegranate juice. It's just a nice masking. It's not a nice flavor, but you can't taste it when you put it in a strong-flavored juice. So iodine, five drops, adult dose again, five drops of Lugos solution is the secret there. Now we're going to move on and talk about the fat-soluble immune enhancers. We're going to talk about fat-soluble vitamins, but particularly vitamin D and vitamin A. So vitamin D3 it's not actually a vitamin. We actually got it wrong. We called it a vitamin. It's too late now to change the name. It's one of the very hot nutrients with a lot of research in the last decade or so. Uh, but what we find is that it's a hormone precursor, very, very important for the immune system, certainly probably the most important of the vitamins relative to immunity. It's a substance produced by our skin in the presence of sunlight, and you don't wash off, you don't hop in a shower after you sunbathe because you've got to absorb it after you've made it. But there are compelling studies um, linking a shortage of vitamin D with increased susceptibility to viral disease, particularly those affecting the respiratory system. Uh, you can look at those studies. There's a whole range of them. I mean, you'd think, okay, okay, Queensland's a sunshine state. Well, one large study in Queensland found that 72% of us were deficient in vitamin D. So you've actually got to have a significant period, uh, 11 minutes out there in full sunlight between 10 and 2, uh, you know, it's just before you turn pink, uh, and that's when you're making vitamin. And no one does that. You cover your body when you're out there in those times, either with clothes or with sunscreen. So many of us need it. Now, the best supplement relative to vitamin D is cod liver oil. It's the highest source, and it also contains very high levels of vitamin A. And interestingly, there's a ratio that determines vitamin D to performance between vitamin A and vitamin D, and it actually impacts vitamin A performance. So that ratio is the perfect ratio in cod liver oil. So cod liver oil, and the trick to cod liver oil, squeeze some lemon juice. It's just, you can't even taste the fishy flavor and it never repeats. You have no reflux of, of fishy flavor, which is a common occurrence when you're taking cod liver oil. So that's a good, good story. My great late friend, Jerry Brunetti, who was my mentor and you know just someone very important in my life, he shared a study with me relative to vitamin E 
um, as kind of like a three-month vaccination effect because it's fat-soluble and it stores, so, not vitamin E, sorry, vitamin A, because it's fat-soluble and it stores uh, in your fat cells for a three-month period. He suggested this very high rate according to the study, which is actually quite dangerous if you're pregnant or have got a, you know, a bad liver. It was 400,000 IUs. I tried it when the bird flu came through my company. I was the only one who didn't get bird flu. Um, not saying that one swallow a summer makes, but the, I just said, well, why not take 20,000 in the morning, 20,000 IUs in the evening for 10 days? But there's a better way. There's no risk. There's a better way with carrot juice. And that simply involves a 250ml glass of carrot juice, which is 47,000 IUs of vitamin A equivalent for 10 days. And there's your there's your 400,000 plus, and there's your three months protection. It's a really good one worth considering, certainly something I'm doing. I'll talk about what I do later. So let's talk a little bit now about vitamin C. So now we're talking about water-soluble rather than fat-soluble vitamins. Linus Pauline, of course, the only man to win two Nobel Prizes single-handedly. There were people who did it together. He was the only one who did it by himself. Uh, his second success came later in life when his health had become pretty bad. And he attributes his recovery and ongoing vitality to his discovery of the profound benefits of high-dose vitamin C. Now, when you start looking at the story, you find that there's this major studies just begun and well, started in February in China based upon doctors during their recent outbreak in Wuhan uh, who had tremendous results with high-dose vitamin C, and this was intravenous vitamin C. Uh, and so the study now con concludes in September is looking at the greater potential of that concept. I mean, basically, vitamin C, uh, your body doesn't make vitamin C. It's got to come from, from food or supplements. Uh, and several studies have revealed that lower levels of this key vitamin um, are associated with the aging process, and that might be linked to the oxidative environment, linked to more inflammation as you age, or the accumulated toxicity. But the bottom line, it's the workhorse of your two-stage detoxification system. And as I say, you know, in this crazy toxic world, you could peel oranges till your wrist seize, and, and I don't think you'll get enough vitamin C. So again, I think a lot of people would benefit from supplementing. We've got an immune system based on an innate immune system, which is the luck of the draw, and our adaptive immune system, which happens in the first 20 years of your life. But both those systems are less efficient in the absence of enough vitamin C. If you look at the, at the link between blood levels of vitamin C and in healthy individuals versus those suffering from diseases, it's about 50% lower in the health challenge, challenged. So pretty important, uh, you know, really important relative to the immune system it supports the cells that kill invaders and the cells that coordinate those attacks and it's equally important for the production of antibodies that fight known infections so aging involves something called immunosenescence that's the aging of the immune system and it's become abundantly clear that baby boomers are most at risk here so why wouldn't we it's negligence that we're not suggesting uh, at a governmental level, that vitamin C should be supplemented in higher doses. So, so our immune cells have got transporter molecules designed to pump that vitamin into the cell whenever it's more that is required. And, and, and when you're inflamed or infected, those transporters ramp up their activity to the extent that immune cells can contain a hundredfold more vitamin C than your actual blood. So you've got to have it at that time. The immune cells vary in their content of vitamin C to hungriest other protecting cells like phagocytes and T lymphocytes. So multiple studies, I won't go into them now, 
Um, but you can check the article and see a whole range of research relative to vitamin C, and it's important. I mean, the Lancet Respiratory Medicine Journal, uh, high-dose high vitamin C is now suggested as a rescue remedy for those with acute respiratory distress syndrome caused by COVID-19. So uh, what's the story with vitamin C? Um, a thousand micrograms is considered the minimum kind of dose to maintain immunity. I, I personally take 3,000. You can take as much as 10,000 in three split doses, so keep that in mind. Um, and choose a supplement that's got bioflavonoids and that's fully buffered. The best vitamin C that you can get your hands on is liposomal vitamin C. Uh, it's really well absorbed. Basically, it involves the delivery of the vitamin C embedded in tiny little fat bubbles called phospholipids. Now, our membranes through which things are absorbed are also phospholipids, and it's kind of like a case of like attracts like, and you absorb so much more efficiently. In fact, some of the studies have shown that vitamin C is absorbed almost as well as intravenous vitamin C with liposomal vitamin C. Hard to get now because a lot of people have cottoned on to the need for it, but it's there. I just bought, you know, I just bought 180 tablets of 1,400 milligrams on Amazon uh, a couple of days back for myself. So liposomal vitamin C is the story with vitamin C. Okay, so let's let's have a look now at phytonutrients, which of course are plant-based phytochemicals. There are several immune-enhancing herbs we could look at here, but I'll talk about one of my favourites in this context. It's a flavonoid called quercetin. Sometimes, basically. Sometimes it's not about not having ad adequate immunity. Sometimes, you know, if your immune system's not functioning perfectly, if it's dysfunctional, um, it, it can actually have sort of an opposite response. Our immune system's all about checks and balances, but if you're dysfunctional, we can lose that self-balancing capacity, and basically there's a, there's a huge overreaction. So we overproduce immune cells and their signaling molecules, and that's called and create something called a cytokine storm. I talked about it earlier. In fact, it's a really common outcome for those who succumb to this disease. Basically, the immune system turns on its host. The uncontrolled immune cells flood the lungs and lead to the pneumonia that can kill you. So part of my enthusiasm for quercetin, um, substantial research in China and Canada are suggesting that it can reduce the likelihood of these storms. It can dull those storms through inhibiting the release of pro-inflammatory cytokines, sort of like we talked about magnesium can help to do a little earlier. Quercetin is also a powerful immune booster, and it's a broad-spectrum antiviral, so it seems like a kind of tailor-made in any kind of protective protocol. Um, basically, we're talking about, if you want the highest source, it's actually in red onions, if you want a food source, and it's in the outer layers at the base of the onion where you find most of it. Um, 500 milligrams to 1,000 milligrams of quercetin a day is the desired rate. So that's adult dose again. But let, let's move on and talk about one other thing we've got to talk about. We could talk about a few, but we're going to talk about the mighty curcumin. You can't talk about plant-based chemicals without talking about the powerhouse yellow pigment found in turmeric called curcumin. It's been described as the most powerful anti-inflammatory ever researched. And there's no shortage of that research. There have been 700 published papers in nine years. You can check online at a site called PubMed to check out many of those papers. It's been linked to protecting from things like type 2 diabetes, heart disease, Alzheimer's, stroke, another biggest killer, stroke cancer in several recent studies, um, and inflammation. You know, understand that 
all degenerative and infectious disease is dominated by inflammation. So you've got this most powerful anti-inflammatory, the benefits can be pretty important. I mean, this massive inflammation involved in this disease and what we've been choosing is ibuprofen uh, to, to, to take care of that. And now there's research showing that lower COVID recovery for those that chose ibuprofen to relieve symptoms. So that's not a good option. Massive run on turmeric powder in India because it's been part of Ayurvedic medicine, Ayurvedic medicine forever. But um, basically the, the thing to understand about it, there's a few secrets with all supplements, the thing to understand about it is that it's very poorly uptaken. It's not absorbed very well at all, that active ingredient curcumin. So we need to look at what can help with that uptake. Well, the most powerful um, synergist is actually the active ingredient in black pepper. Understand black pepper is a, a, a berry, so it's high in antioxidants. It's dried, so that magnifies the antioxidants. But one of those powerhouse components, as I mentioned, is called piperine. Now, you know, I always say, if you're in the restaurant, when we used to be able to go to restaurants, uh, when you're in the restaurant, they say, do you want pepper on that? And they've got that the grinder moving above around the table. You say, yes, plenty, thanks because piperine increases the uptake of nutrient or nutrients in food. It's found, you'll see it on bottles and on supplements now in brackets, with piperine. So that's a cool one. It's also fat-soluble, so coconut oil and full-fat milk are a great thing to combine with, with turmeric, um, turmeric powder. Golden lattes are really good from that perspective in any defence regime. And finally, we'll talk about probiotic support. You know, 80% of our immune system's in the gut, learning from our beneficial life within. So obviously, massively important is fine-tuning your immune response using, bouncing off these gut organisms. But we've knocked these creatures around with a whole range of poisons, ranging from antibiotics to food stabilizers to prescription medicine. If you live in town, you're drinking chlorinated water or showering in it, and it's going in just as if you were drinking it. So what, what can we do about that? Well, the, the longest living people are those that eat lacto-fermented foods, and that's not an accident, I would strongly argue. It might even be why we saw that amazing Korean COVID bounce back may well be related partially to their daily consumption of kimchi. It's so easy to make your own, you know, I teach a recipe on how you can make what I call a rainbow sauerkraut or to make your own kimchi or to find a jellyfish looking thing called a scoby that you can teach the kids how to make their own kombucha uh, or kefir which is just you know 20% of the glass filled with this mother like a little bit of curd add milk 24 hours later you've got this tart flavored quite pleasant flavored drink and you'll leave a little bit to start the next one and it just sits on the bench and you can have a glass for each family member really simple really fun and tremendously powerful, diverse probiotic um, is the secret there. So if you're looking at commercial products, look at those with the greatest diversity. You don't just go for acidophilus and bifidus. You've got hundreds of strains of organisms in your gut. Now, people, just to complete this talk, people often ask me, well, what do you do? You know, what's your program? So, you know, I don't really normally share these kind of things, but I'll tell you what I do. I take 30 milligrams of amino chelated zinc each night directly before bed. I wash it down with a mouthful of my own probiotic, which is a bubbly drink with hundreds of strains and billions per, per teaspoon. I use a, hundred, a mouthful of that with my zinc because it's shown that any probiotic with any supplement increases uptake of that supplement by 45%. You're putting the micros behind the minerals. I take my form of magnesium 
this transdermal magnesium, this concentrated magnesium chloride, and I spray that on the soles of my feet and under my arms on a daily basis. And I'll supplement that with an Epsom salts bath every week or two with two cups of Epsom salts, and I soak for 40 minutes. Uh, I have 200 micrograms of selenium uh, every evening, and I also put a couple of Brazil nuts into my green smoothies in the morning. I put five drops of Lugol solution in a glass of pomegranate juice um, each day, uh, and I, you know, how do I address my vitamin D and vitamin A? I take 3,000 IUs of, actually more than that, one, two, three, it's more like 7,000 or three threes, 9,000 IUs of vitamin D each day. Uh, and I also have a tablespoon of cod liver oil with the juice of a lemon. Uh, that, of course, basically you don't have the reflux, the fishy reflux, if you have the lemon juice with it. Um, and a, a really, really important component, I drink a glass of fresh carrot juice each day infused with two heaped teaspoons of chia seed, which, of course, the highest source of omega-3 fatty acids, 61%. Uh, it turns into a jelly overnight, and you've actually begun, sort of initiated the sprouting process that so doubles the antioxidant value of the chia, which is then six times higher than blueberry. So that's pretty good in its own right. But it's a vitamin A, as I mentioned earlier. 47,000 I use in a glass, 10 glasses, you've got your 400,000, you've got your three months, theoretically your three months vaccine-like effect when it's stored in your fat. So I do that for 10 days and then I'll just do it two or three times a week or add carrot juice to other juices when I'm making juices. And they, that might have things like beetroot, celery, apples, ginger and carrot in a mixed juice. Uh, every evening before bed, I make up a supplement with, with my own vitamin C. It's called Biospark. It's fully buffered and it's um, got very high levels of bioflavonoids. Uh, so I have a heap teaspoon of that, um, which is about 3,000 milligrams. I have two heap teaspoons of Curculife, which is my own powdered organic concentrate that I grew on my own farm, so it's quite special to me. Um, organic and nutrient-dense, of course. And I include 9% organic pepper with that, which is the amount researched to show that give the most benefits. And, and I've also developed something called Immunodrive in my NTS health range. And so I have a heap teaspoon of that. And I have a 600 milligrams of magnesium in powdered form in that little cocktail because, you know, I've got... You know, I'm fairly confident that I've reclaimed the capacity to absorb some magnesium through my gut because I've corrected my deficiency over some time. So basically, and then quercetin, uh, 1,000 milligrams of that antioxidant each day, and I drink 100 milligrams of biobubble probiotic, and I try to have things like biobubble muesli, and I make that rainbow sauerkraut from biobubble. It's just a three-day process to make this delicious sauerkraut. Uh, and basically the other immune supporters, try and get good sleep, reduce your sugars, don't bomb your wonderful system with too much alcohol, those, you know, sometimes you feel inclined to drown your sorrows at times like this, but try and avoid that. And basically, yeah, this is the end of the of this podcast. I, I thank you so much for listening. If you've found some benefit from this, I, I was so appreciative um, with the first podcast, which actually made it to number six on the charts. Um that, that you know, I'd ask if you if you enjoyed it, you know, please feel free to to write a, a review. And a number of you wrote wonderful reviews, and that was you know, I really truly appreciate that. Thank you. And, and we'll be, be back maybe a little earlier than normal with the third podcast in the series, which will be about boosting productivity uh, and sustainability in your farming enterprise. Thanks for listening. <music>